If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. Today, we will be speaking with veteran career coaching expert Gary Hines about how to keep a job during the recession or find a new one if you've lost your job. Before I do the intro, though, I just want to share with you that I am so excited because Gary Hines was the featured guest on the very first episode, episode number one of this podcast. And I am eternally grateful to Gary. If you have never started a podcast, I need to share with you that those first 5, 10, 15 episodes are the hardest time to find guests. And I I knew Gary from my time in Philadelphia. And really, frankly, he was doing me a huge favor by coming on the podcast. I was really working hard to get guests. He was a phenomenal guest one of the biggest scores probably that we had early on in the podcast. And so also I'll say the podcast has had a very gradual accumulation of listeners. So this month we celebrate our four-year anniversary. We're recording in July. So in July 2016 is when we started the podcast. And Back then, if an episode was downloaded 50 times in its first week, it was a big deal. You know, and now an episode might be downloaded 500 or 600 times in its first week and a thousand times in its first, you know, month, two months, three months. So I am so excited and so happy to be able to have Gary on because he has so much great knowledge to share. And now he's going to be sharing it with an even wider audience. Both Gary and I do a lot of coaching, but in very different areas. He provides coaching to find a job that is a great fit for you, as well as coaching that will make you more successful at work. Most of my coaching revolves around first-year executive directors and chief executives that are facing a crisis. Before I introduce Gary, I want to let you know that we'll be offering group coaching starting this fall. And you guessed it. One group will be designed to support the success of first-time executive directors and a second group to support leaders experiencing financial, funding, board, and other types of crisis during the COVID recession. 
Each group will have a structured but flexible curriculum that will enable budget-conscious organizations to get quality support for their leadership at a cost that won't break the bank. So if you're interested in one of these groups, head over to SuccessfulNonprofits.com to learn more and apply to participate. Now I have the joy of introducing Gary Hines. As of this recording, and we do record pretty far in advance, typically a month or two months in advance, job numbers are looking just a little bit more hopeful. But the easing in unemployment numbers is kind of like a 15-foot flood ebbing by just a couple of inches, and most people still feel at risk of drowning. Unemployment has decreased a little as businesses open across the country and schools think about how or even whether they're going to reopen this fall. But we still have a long way to go before COVID-19 is under control and employment stabilizes. Some of us are fortunate to have secure jobs right now. Some of us feel secure at the moment, but are aware that they might experience a hefty budget cut as nonprofits' fiscal years come to a close, and then others may not feel secure at all. Maybe it's because they've already been informed of a layoff or perhaps even sitting at home right now without a job. So I know that many are wondering how to keep food on the table, a roof over the head, and the bills paid. In short, how do you keep or find a new job in this time of COVID uncertainty? So Gary Hines joins us today to discuss this question. Gary started his career as a college administrator, but one day realized the role was just not the right fit for him. So he decided to not only reinvent himself, but help lots of people build a life, a professional life that they love. Today, he is the founder of Gary Hines Consulting, where he provides program development and management business analysis, and of course, career coaching. So please join me in welcoming Gary to the podcast. Hey, Gary, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dove. How are you? Good to talk to you again and see you this time. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Last time we were recording on the phone because I didn't know any better. And now we actually record where we can see each other. So, Gary, <laughs> a lot of listeners may be sitting at their desk or sitting at home right now, fearful that budget cuts are coming and wondering how they will make it through the round of layoffs that may be about to happen. So what do you recommend for all those folks who wanted to hang on to their job right now? Well, there's a couple of things. First, I'd like to start off by saying in this global pandemic, I hope people can realize and understand that this is something that we're prayerful will pass. Things will return to normal. Uh, it's been a blessing to some people because they've been able to expand businesses or their business practice. It's been a detriment to others that have been laid off or downsized or had to take on more responsibility. But just know that uh, we can all benefit from utilizing the time we have now uh, under this current situation. So I'm always reminded to keep faith, keep hope, and that this will be able to get past this at some point uh, in our lives. So that's one way I like to think about things, keep the positive things going. Um, the best things we can do right now to make sure we are being the absolute, one of the top things is making sure we're being the absolute best that we can be on the job. So I'm saying that everybody should try to be a model employee and then not even just being a model employee, but going a little bit above and beyond that. So what does that mean? What does that really mean to go above and beyond what your current job description or your current job duties are? There's a variety of actionable items that can happen to sustain your ongoing career management. And so some of those things I like to ask people is how can you add value to the company? 
how can you add some real significant value to the organization? And one of the ways you can do that is making sure that you are at the top of your game and your strengths and your skills and your experience. And what does that mean? Like, are you up to date on the latest trends or the latest information? One of the best ways to add value to yourself in any particular organization is to make sure you're up to date on your strengths and your skills. Have you incorporated the latest data and software into your, your daily routines, your daily jobs and your programs? You want to make sure you are up to date on anything that you do in your particular area that adds value to the company's business that adds value to the operation that you're responsible for. Maybe you need to educate yourself on what is happening uh, in your particular field. Maybe you need to just make sure you know all the latest tools and techniques that are used in your field. And this can really transcend any industry or position. You can be an engineer, you can be a school teacher, you can be a bus driver, whatever it is, make sure you're doing the latest, most up-to-date version of that typical experience. So, um, again, you know, I think this would be one of the things you can do to add some value so people can look at you a little bit differently. They can say, what is it about this person that maybe makes them a better employee for us at this point as far as what they bring to the table? So, again, one of the key things is to make sure you are up on your current tools, techniques, trade, all of that information. Another thing I think you can do, too, to keep yourself sustainable in a position is to make sure you are up to date on the industry. What is happening in your particular industry? What are the trends, the forecasts, the predictions that, it, that you, know, you can bring to the table and present to leadership to say, listen, here's the way things are going now based on the recession, based on the pandemic, based on the fact that maybe a lot of companies are now bringing their business online and they have not done that before. So here's what we should be looking at. Here's what, what we should be thinking about. So uh, again, you know, being out there and understanding you know, like what's happening in your particular industry, transitioning anything that's out there as far as uh, your career goes. Are there any risks or threats out there? Maybe you need to do a SWOT analysis to figure out what's the best practices that are happening now in the environment that we're living in. So the bottom line is, is that you want to keep up with things that could affect the business and you want to be able to to communicate that with people in leadership positions at your organization. Let them know that you're aware of what's happening, what they need to be thinking about down the road, what they can also do as far as alternative forms of, of operation. If things are happening uh, today that weren't happening six months ago because of the pandemic, because of the way business is happening, you should be aware of it. And I would even say go as far as maybe doing some outside personal research. If you, know, you wanna create a white paper, and, and present that to leadership, to the board members and say, listen, here's what's actually going on. And I decided to do some serious scientific research on it, some scholarly research. And I can tell you that the following six things are gonna be affecting us over the next six months. Again, these are some of the basic, basic skills and the basic things that I think that you should do. Gary, you know, one of the things I would think about also is, you know, if you're in a position, whether you're in a position that's designed to bring revenue in or not, to maybe come up with some ways that in whatever job you're doing, you can help build revenue or create momentum or marketing. And so as an example, it could be that you're a case manager. But if you go to the development department and say, hey, what if we had our case management clients 
write anonymous thank you notes that you mm -hmm. can send to donors that would essentially say to donors, gee, your gift is so impactful right now because this organization is able to help us during the recession. But if I'm the case manager that drives that, when it comes time to determine which case manager is going to be laid off, I'm going to be seen as the person who's looking for solutions and not the person who's just so fearful that I'm almost paralyzed that my job is going to end. You're exactly right offering new opportunities for, for sales, for revenue generation, maybe tapping into new markets, seeing how we could take the product or the services or the operation into new industries, into new new areas. So yeah, thinking uh, really, and I hate to use this term, but thinking outside of the box, forward thinking, forecasting trends, what is it that I can bring and, and share with these people? Because folks need to know that you are on top of this. You really know what's happening. So again, they look at you when there's a choice between two people and the one person that sort of brings to the table all of this new intelligence, it really, really helps the leadership make a decision, hey, we may want to think twice about letting this person go, or let's follow up on what this person is suggesting as far as a new business line. You know, we don't have bricks and mortar, let's take retail. We don't have bricks and mortar anymore. We're doing everything, basically we're doing all of our sales online. How can we maximize that? Are we in the right platforms? Things like that. So I think it's just best one of the, the key areas is to definitely educate yourself. And I could not agree with you more. Like this is definitely the time to make sure that you're at work on time. You know, if you're supposed to be at work at nine, that you are at your desk and ready to go, or you're at your workstation and ready to go at nine. And, you know, and if you're supposed to have 30 minutes for lunch, that you don't turn that into 45 minutes, that you take the 30 minute lunch and that you really communicate well with your manager and, you know, your coworkers so that they see you as, oh yeah, this is the person who's really trying, who's really working to make sure that as a team, we're all doing what we're supposed to do. Oh, definitely. I definitely agree on that. So you are going above and beyond the normal job duty and responsibilities. You're taking yourself, you're putting yourself out there. You may also volunteer to do things, help others on projects that you're not really involved in, but you're offering your assistance. And so, yes, this may be, this may mean coming in a little bit early or working on off hours or working on projects that are not necessarily related to your specific job. But the fact that you're willing and you're open to do whatever it takes to help the company succeed, I think adds value to you as a person, as an employee. And then leadership and management can take that look at you and say, hey, look at them. They're really stepping up to the plate here. In this crisis that we're in right now, pandemically and, and globally, we need to really find alternative ways to either keep ourselves going. And so somebody here is showing us an opportunity that we never maybe even thought of. Yeah. And the other big benefit that I think people will see out of that is if they do step up to the plate and say, okay, I'm going to help colleagues with projects that maybe are not in my job description and not something I currently know how to do, they're now building their own skill set. So that, as an example, the organization just goes out of business and everybody loses their job. Now, when they're in the job market, they have multiple skill sets to rely on. It's not just I'm a case manager or I'm a fundraiser. Oh, I also know a little bit about this and about that and here are the projects I've done. And it's funny, Gary, as I think about my early career 25 years ago, some of my best learning experiences were not in my job description. My boss or someone else higher than me in the organization came to me and was like, hey, Dolph, will you do X, Y, Z? And I would jump at it and I would do it. And I you know, would be pretty eager about doing it. 
And those are some of my best learning experiences because it wasn't in my job description. I wasn't being evaluated on it. It was really an opportunity for me to learn and grow. Yes, exactly. And, you know, you touched on some really good points there, Dolph. And, you know, in this time we're living in, in this particular area that we're living in, in this world, there must be anxiety uh, associated with every job that's out there. Will I be laid off? Will I be let go? How do I weather that storm? So in my opinion, the best way somebody can weather that storm is to really have a good plan of action in place. So preparation is certainly the key. And when I say preparation, that may dwindle down to something as simple as taking a career assessment. See what it is that you are really interested in. What is it that you bring to the table? You might want to look at it holistically and say, okay, here's my hard skills. Here's my soft skills. Here's my transferable skills. And here's what I bring to the table. Where could that be used in another industry? Is it possible that you know there may be an opening or there may be an opportunity for me in another department in this organization? If I'm gonna be let go, the kind of work that I've done is no longer needed now. Where can I apply the existing skills I have to some other operation inside the organization? You know, I think that's such a good point, Gary. I think so often as humans, as professionals, we wanna focus so much of our attention on our weaknesses and making them go from being weaknesses to being, eh, okay, I'm okay in it. Whereas you reach a point in your career where really what you need to do is leverage your strengths. And you know, what am I really great at? And what jobs can I do with those skills that will pay me what I need to make. Exactly. And, you know, we've talked and you've probably heard over the course of your time and and maybe with uh, interviewing other folks, 21st century skills are the key right now in in any economy, in any industry. Having those skills like initiative, self-control, teamwork, working independently, following directions, communication, office culture. These are things that are important in any industry, any job position. If you can take those and actually make them a strength for you, uh, it might be easier for you as you go out on a job search. So, you know, inevitably, let's say it does happen and you actually do get laid off and there's no other opportunities within the current existing organization. Again, back to the assessment. What can I bring to the table? What can I transfer over into another industry? And I also think it's critical that regardless of what industry you're in, you look at supporting organizations that kind of like the supply chain of that industry. So let's say you're in education and you were teaching. And as we know in the pandemic, things may change to the point where you are now no longer teaching face-to-face, you are now teaching uh, virtually. And that's something new for you, it's uncomfortable for you, or maybe the, this, you know, just registration and the number of students you're gonna have in the fall is gonna be completely different. Well, how do you change something like that? How do you capitalize on that? Well, maybe it's one of those supporting industries that supports education. Do you write curriculum? Do you write content? Are you a program manager? Can you still work within the education industry, but not necessarily as a teacher? Are there other things that you can do that support the industry? Publishing, just doing some sort of support work around that industry. And again, you know, this can be in a variety of different positions. So I think you know, people need to really make an honest and take a hard look at what it is they bring to the table. How can they move that into other industries that may support 
You know, one of the things I wanted to bring up to you, Dorf, I know that your focus a lot is on nonprofits. So somebody that, you know, is working in nonprofit that may actually get laid off or downsized, look at all the skills and things that they bring to the table as a nonprofit management or executive. You know, things like reports and delegation and operations and working with people and managing grants and doing compliance and, you know, these kind of things. Could that transition into a for-profit situation? You know, the fact that you were maybe, you know, working on I don't know, let's just say LGBT issues. And then, you know, you know, you have an opportunity to work in a manufacturing organization. Can you take some of those management skills, some of those skills you learned in nonprofit and transfer it over into a for-profit organization? It's possible. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And I think even for folks that say, okay, I'm going to go work in the for-profit sector during the recession, I want to return to the nonprofit sector when I can, they're going to get some valuable skills in the for-profit sector. They're going to be of value in the nonprofit sector. Definitely, definitely. So again, um, sort of going back to your first question and and pulling this all together, it's certainly being self-aware of what it is you bring to the table. What am I good at? How can I capitalize on that? And how can I prove it? You know, one of the ways I tell people in my practice, I said, there's something called accomplishment stories. And what that is, is that you take five to seven scenarios of some situation that you were in and you look at it and say, how did me, how did I resolve that issue? So I'm just going to use a quick example. So storage space in a closet in an organization. And I decided that, you know, this is not going to work. We're never going to be able to house the material we need in this storage space. So I decided to code and colorize everything as a very brief, very elementary example. Take that accomplishment and list it on paper and say, okay, here was the problem. Here's how I resolved it. Here was the end result or outcome. And here's the skills I used. I used initiative. I used leadership. I used resource management. And so if you have five or six or seven of these accomplishment stories in your back pocket, you can take them anywhere. You can take them on an interview. You can take them in a networking situation. But you have examples, hard, cold facts, because that's what employers are asking for these days. They want to say, don't tell me you're a good manager. Tell me about a time you were a good manager and what did you do? Absolutely. So, Gary, one of the ways that I know you and I are really similar is we take our own advice because that's what good consultants and coaches do. And so I'm sure you undoubtedly have an accomplishment story from your own coaching experiences as a coach. Can you share one with us? I certainly can. And this is always very exciting with me because I'm the kind of person that's a storyteller. So I really like to expand and, and, and deliver these kind of this kind of information to folks. So the story is about a, a young man I was working with. Uh, I'll just call him Darren. And Darren was a very, very accomplished financial professional. So he was a certified treasury professional, had worked in finance for many years, worked for big organizations, and really was good, had certifications and had a degree in finance, and really was a pretty seriously accomplished person. The problem was, in this accomplishment story, as I said, I mentioned, you have to find out what is the problem first, identify the problem. Well, the problem for Darren was, is that a new company had bought out his existing company and brought in new folks, new management team, And their processes and the way they did things were just not part of the culture that Darren was used to with the old organization. So that was the main problem. He needed to really get out of that organization because he just didn't fit anymore with his values and his goals and objectives. So what did I do? I identified that problem and I said, "Okay, let's come in and let's talk about it. What you want to do, where you need to go. So I assessed the situation again. I looked at the problem 
And I said, okay, you look good. You look good on paper. Your resume is perfect. You have all kinds of certifications behind you. You obviously know what you're doing. There must be some other area that we can explore. So I looked at his interviewing style and we did some practice interviews and that was the key. Darren was not a good interview person. He knew his stuff really well, but he needed more practice on interviews. What I did to address the problem is set him down and we did a series of practice interviews where I videotaped and filmed him and we watched and reviewed and, and, and replayed and, and re-strategized about how he should deliver on answers to questions that may be asked of him as a financial professional. So the accomplishment was we identified the problem, we found a solution, we actually put it into practice. The results at the end were Darren got several offers at other organizations and is currently working for BlackRock, which is a major organization uh, in the Philadelphia and Northeast area. And so what did I use? I used a variety of things, practice, feedback, demonstration and examples uh, with Darren so he, he was able to transition into the career that he really, really loved. So that was one of the examples. I say that everybody should think about how can they utilize accomplishment stories as they look for new employment opportunities. That's awesome. I, I love that accomplishment story. And as people are out there looking for new employment opportunities, what are some of the things that they need to be thinking about in terms of how they're presenting themselves to potential employers? Some of the key things they need to think about is, first of all, as that I had mentioned earlier about people in the in the global pandemic right now, is are you up to date on what's happening in your particular industry? Do you know the trends? Do you know the keywords and the terms that people are using? Do you know where things are going? What's headed down the road? So making yourself aware and knowledgeable is one of the key things that I think everybody needs to have. I also think that they need to have a portfolio of documentation. And inside that portfolio are things like I just mentioned, those accomplishment stories. You can have them on a grid, you can have them on a separate sheet of paper, but you also need to have that along with, of course, your basics, your resume, a cover letter, a personal reference page, a letter of recommendation. You also may wanna have something that's very interesting I, I developed called a professional biography. And this is a one page summary of what you have done as a career professional. It's almost written in the third person. So, for example, Gary Hines is a seasoned career professional with 18 years experience in the marketplace. He has done the following things, X, Y, and Z. He has attended such and such events. He has published a book. So a professional biography is something, again, that you can leave with potential employers. You can take to a job fair, you can take to a networking event. It's not your resume, but it would pique enough interest in somebody to say, hey, I'd really like to talk to that person. So having this slate of documents in your toolkit as you're out there job searching is something I think every job seeker needs to do today. If I can jump in and kind of share that I, I love where you're going with that. As an interim, really over the course of my career, I have probably at this point hired hundreds of people. A lot of that, though, is because I do interim engagements. And so in an interim engagement, it's not at all unusual for me to end up hiring a lot of people. Some of the things that I also look at, uh, if, if there's a resume I really like, I promise you, I find them on LinkedIn, too. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you how often I will see a LinkedIn profile that's completely not updated. So maybe their most recent position's not on there. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, that's a pet peeve. Another one that I will sometimes see is 
their resume does not have the same jobs. And I don't just mean same job titles. I mean, same organization, same employer as what's on their LinkedIn. So in one of those two, they've skipped an employer or two and you kind of scratch your head. Well, why do they do that? Mm-hmm. And then the other one that I see that honestly makes me think less of a candidate is when, as an example, for their photo on LinkedIn, it's a photo of them on a boat or them with like, you know, it might even be a soda, but a drink in their hand. There's something about that where, you know, this is, you're supposed to be presenting yourself professionally. And even if you can't afford a professional photo, which might cost a hundred or $150, you can certainly put on professional attire, go stand on a wall and ask a friend to take your photo. Right. Even if you do a selfie, you could probably make it look professional enough. And you're you're exactly right, Dolph. The whole online world, nine out of 10 employers are going straight to LinkedIn before they even look at your resume. They're going to your social media. So again, that's a good point you bring up. And it is part of the strategy I use on career search and career management. Your online presence has to be crystal clear. It has to be clean. Even if you have a separate name for your personal Facebook versus your professional Facebook, those are things that employers are looking at these days. So you're exactly right. And you know what's uh, the beauty of LinkedIn is, is that there's so many templates and processes and forms that LinkedIn will provide you for free so you can make your, your profile stand out, so you can make it consistent to what's on paper. And then that's something everybody needs to really think about and keep that together as well. So having all those things up to date makes you look better because employers, as, and as you said, will go check you out first somewhere else before they even look at you, before they even call you up and say, listen, I'd like to speak to you in person. And I will share with you that there have been times where there are inconsistencies between what I see on LinkedIn and what I see on the resume. And I ultimately decide, okay, this is not somewhere we're going to interview because if they're not even consistent there where it should be easy for them to be consistent. You know, if they left right. a job off on LinkedIn or they left a job off on their resume, you know, what what's their integrity? What's their honesty? You know, they might interview well, but they might not be a good fit. Exactly, exactly. And one of the key things I always tell everybody that I work with, I say, listen, you as a job seeker have to be comfortable with your profile, with your resume. If you have me write it or you have a professional person write it and then you're not even comfortable with it, you can't speak to it, that's going to show through so clearly when you sit down with that executive or that manager who says to me, okay, tell me about your your work that you've shown here on LinkedIn. I've seen that you've done this and you know, oh, you know, and the person's not even prepared because somebody else did it for them. So I said, listen, I can help you. I can review it. I can make suggestions, but you have to almost like go home and do homework and really study this thing because people could take that information and use it against you. If you have no idea what you did, uh, even though it looks really good on paper, that's a that's not a plus. Right. The other way I think people could really promote themselves as experts on LinkedIn is essentially writing LinkedIn articles that they post to their profile. And so, for example, if you're a fundraiser and you just completed a $10 million capital campaign, you could write an article on the six most critical components of successfully completing a $10 million capital campaign. If you're Mm -hmm. a case manager and you've been doing it for five years, you can write an article, something like the five most important things I learned as a case manager in my first five years. And this is what I always say to folks, you know, don't just use that content once. So first you create the article and then, then you reach out to maybe some blogs and see if you can guest post it at a blog 
Or maybe you start reaching out to some podcasts and say, hey, you know, I just wrote this article on LinkedIn. Can I come on as a guest and we'll talk about the five things I learned as the case as a case manager or the six things that were critically important to completing our, our capital campaign? A, you're improving your online presence, but you're also elevating your status as an expert. And we all are experts in something. We just have to be able to declare it publicly. Exactly. And be able to showcase it uh, to the right folks, to the right audience. And that even ties in back to what I said about adding value to your existing company. If you do that published article on LinkedIn about some topic that's specifically related to your industry, that's going to bring something, that's going to bring a name recognition to the company, to yourself. A CEO might say, we'd be crazy to let this person go. Look what they're doing on their own time and bringing it to the fore. So uh, again, those are all critical things. Having your name out there as an expert is something that's very key to getting people to look at, take a second look at you as a possible hire. Uh, I'd also like to mention that the networking opportunities that are available online these days, since we can't go to social networking events as we used to, or you know, to some degree we really can't, but today's world, having social networking opportunities via LinkedIn, via Meetup, and via other online platforms where you not only respond to people, but you con- you make content, you make you make comments, you share information, you share articles, you post things that are appropriate to the industry. And, you know, again, they look at you as a thought leader. They bring up and say, oh, Gary Hines or, or Dolph Goldenberg posted this article and look what they say. Oh, my God, I need to really reach out to him. People need to be knocking on your door if they're interested in getting in nonprofits and talk to you about what they bring uh, to the table. What innovations do they know about or what are they thinking about? So there's many, many things that a job seeker in today's world can do, even if they have to do it virtually, to get their names out there, to get in front of the right employers, and and those things we just mentioned. But I want to mention one other thing that I think is also uh, critical today as well, knowing that industry, knowing that company, maybe picking five companies in the the target industry you're interested in, finding out what their LinkedIn pages say, find out what their Facebook pages say as a company. And then maybe there's some people in your network that are connected to those people in those companies that you're targeting. But I say again, study, study and learn about those organizations you're interested in working for. Why do you want to work for BlackRock? Why do you want to work for Comcast? What do you know about them? What's their culture like? You should be as intelligent and educated about what the company does, how they feel about everything and social responsibility before you walk into the interview. And I think that is doubly important for nonprofits because nonprofits Mm -hmm. have cultures that develop around their mission and vice versa. So if you walk into an interview and you don't really understand the mission and you don't really understand the organization's culture and the way in which they approach achieving that mission, you're going to have a lot harder time being successful in the interview. I think that's doubly important. The other thing that just makes me kind of think of that I just also got to say is, gosh, you know, please, please, if, if for folks that are looking for work, before you send your resume off, take a look at it because sometimes we create one resume and then we send it out again and again. And sometimes we send it out with the same spelling error in it a hundred times before we realize there's a spelling error. But also sometimes we'll send it out and it's old fashioned, but some people will still put like what their objective is. Gary, I cannot tell you how many times in the nonprofit sector, I will get a resume and the objective will be something like to obtain a leadership position in a local, locally controlled bank. Well, okay. If that's your objective, I can tell you right now, you're not going to come work for our nonprofit. 
Right, 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 right. Exactly. Like, you know, again, be aware of these things. And of course, every job, especially if they're in different industries or different organizations, should have a customized resume and a customized cover letter. And there are people that have made the mistake of sending that same template, which says, Dear Mr. Smith, and it's not Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith was the last interview you went on. Or there's a, you know, there's a position where, you know, there are certain things that are required and you leave that in the cover letter, you leave that on the resume and it's not really needed for the next job. Big, huge mistake. Um, I wanted to know if you are if you are familiar with the ATS system that's out in, in the world today. I don't think I am. Tell me more. This is a, a computerized system. It's a it's a scanner where companies will take your resume and scan it through this uh, applicant tracking system, and they will look for keywords. And if those keywords are not on that resume, then your your resume actually goes to the C file. So applicant tracking is huge today, especially for organizations that are getting like thousands of applicants. They can easily, easily sort of dwindle down and, and whittle down to the more serious candidates if they find ones that have the words that they're looking for. And where do you find those words? In the job description. When you apply for a job, there may be eight things that they say they're looking for. Somebody that knows, I don't know, C-Face. Somebody that knows uh, X, Y, and Z. Those terms should be on that resume. Because if they're not, a lot of companies will bypass you and say, they have no experience, they have no knowledge about what we do here, I'm not even gonna talk to them. So applicant tracking is another thing to be aware of. That is so important for listeners to know. And I know smaller and medium-sized nonprofits may not use it, but I'd be willing to bet some of the national big nonprofits, they're gonna be doing some of the hiring over the coming months and years, probably are using it. Exactly. Gary, this has been such a fruitful conversation and so important. I have a feeling that you and I could continue this conversation for 45 minutes or even an hour and still not cover everything that candidates should be aware of or that people should be thinking about uh, if they really want to keep their job during the recession. And so, dear listeners, as I think about this, because we're going to kind of stop here and move over to the off the map question, there's so much more Gary can share. It's one more reason to reach out to Gary. Obviously, at the end of the podcast, I'm going to share his URL a couple times. So please make sure that you're reaching out to him. So, Gary, I've got a great off the map question for you. Gosh, I think, I think you and I have probably known each other for 17 years. Full disclosure, Gary was on the hiring committee that hired me for my first permanent executive director job. So I think you and I probably met, gosh, like March of 2003 or something like that. And so we're going to go in the Wayback Machine together to the to the knots. And you, you had an early online radio show before people even had podcasts. Talk to us about this. Well, you know, Dolph, it was such a blessing. I moved into a section of Philadelphia called Germantown. And Germantown's a funky little neighborhood uh, outside of the main area of downtown. And there's a lot of uh, art teachers and poets and writers, activists. Right now in the day of Black Lives Matter, you can imagine that Black Lives Matter sign are everywhere. No hate in this house kind of thing is in, all in my neighborhood of Germantown. But anyway, a young man started an online Basically, it was a podcast radio station called G-Town Radio. He put an ad in the local throwout paper saying, hey, I'm starting this up. I want to know if anybody would be interested in hosting a show. So I, uh, he had a meeting at a local church in the basement, and I showed up, and he went around the room and said, okay, so if you had an hour of online airtime, what would you do? And I said, well, I would probably play old dance music. 
from the stuff that I grew up with when I was first coming out as a gay man. I would play old dance music and I would uh, you know, have a really good time bringing back these old memories. So he says, that sounds great. Nobody else here, there's about 18 people in the room. Nobody else had pitched that. So he was like really excited because he said, this is different and unique. So you, you're in. So that's how I kind of got started. I stayed on that uh, online radio station for about three years. I eventually started interviewing people. And I think I did interview you, Dolph. Um, you did. I remember that. Yeah. Right. So I, I was able to do interviews in person and over the phone. Of course, there was no Zoom. There was no Google Meet. There was nothing at that point. But uh, it was still fun. We would bring people in. And I would, uh, yeah, I would also talk about events happening in the community, local parties, you know, where the latest contest was going to be, who was at Fire Island this weekend. I mean, I, it just was a great, great opportunity. And I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. And so just so you know, as an update, they are now not only online, but they have an FM broadcasting station now. So G-Town Radio is now available on an FM dial. Yes, 92.1, I believe, is the station locally. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's lo-fi. That, <laughs> that is really cool. Um, and I will say G-Town Radio, you're right, was very Germantown. It was very Philly, but it was very, very Germantown, which is kind of a, a hippie, funky, progressive neighborhood. Yes, yes. You had people on there doing poetry and spoken word. You had criminal justice. You had a sports channel, a, a religious show. So this guy, Jim Barris, his name, he did a great job of pulling in a variety of folks to do this online world. And so now, of course, everybody and their mother has a has an online component to their radio station and an online service. So, but I think that it was, we were like pioneers back in the days. It was really nice. It's interesting, yeah, but I remember when, obviously being in Philly and G-Town Radio and the only other online radio station that I listened to was actually out of Australia. And I'll share with you, they also played that classic dance music from when we were all coming out. So I guess in terms of my own online radio stations, I, I must have like a type. And that type is you play classic, Classic gay dance music from the 1980s. Um, <laughs> yeah, because with Spotify and Pandora and all these other places, you can get you can just customize what kind of music you really want to hear. So, right, exactly. Well, Gary, thank you so much again for joining us today. And listeners, if you would like to learn more about career management and strategies for getting the job you would love, then head on over to Gary's website at GaryHinesConsulting.com. And by the way, Gary is offering a free Zoom or phone coaching consultation to any of our listeners that want it. It's a great value. It is well worth it. Again, even if you're currently working, have a conversation about, you know, what are your options or what are some great ways to make sure that you survive layoffs that may be coming. So if you're interested in working with Gary for career coaching or one of his many other services, then just fill out his contact form on the website while you're there and he will reach back out to you. Make sure you tell him that you heard about this through Successful Nonprofits podcast because that's what will get you the free coaching session. You can also learn more about Gary and reach out to him on Facebook and LinkedIn, and we will include links for that in the show notes. Hey, Gary, thank you again. Um, Gosh, I I know you're on episode one. This is, I think you're probably going to be on episode 170 or 180 something, and I am so grateful that we have you back on. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Dolph, and a continued success in all the good work you're doing out there, and I look forward to talking to you again. Have a great weekend. Thank you. If you were busy looking up 
Gary's G-Town radio station and missed all the ways to connect with him, then continue with your research. And when you're done, head over to SuccessfulNonprofits.com for all the important links. And while you are at our website, please help us out by filling out the listener survey. It's just 10 questions and will take three minutes or less, but it will help us determine really where the podcast is going to be headed over the next year. So please share your thoughts with us so we can keep the podcast useful and relevant for you and your life. And while you're checking out Gary's Facebook page and LinkedIn, also stop by ours too and take a moment to reach out and say hi. I promise you, I respond to everyone who reaches out to me, whether it's by email, LinkedIn, Facebook, or the website. And finally, do not forget to check out our expanded coaching opportunities at SuccessfulNonprofits.com. A group coaching experience might be right for you if you're a first-time executive director or your organization is facing a tough time. Uh, Dear listeners, that is our show for this week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help you and your nonprofit thrive in a competitive environment. I am not an accountant or attorney, and neither I nor the Goldberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been provided for informational purposes only, is not intended to provide, and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Always consult a qualified, licensed professional about such matters.